Hello and welcome to the I Am Fearless podcast. I'm your host, Vicki. And man, once again, I am so glad that you guys decided to join me on this Friday afternoon. Now, I know this episode is late, but it was, let me tell you, it is worth the wait. I have Kelly Kunst. She is a certified financial planner. And the advice that she gives in this episode is so good, you guys. We talk about best practices for investing, um, the path to financial freedom, and the importance of building a solid financial foundation. We also talk about um, the discomfort around the discussions of, uh, of having discussions about money. Um, and one other thing that we talk about, just to give you guys just a little taste, is the financial impact of having a baby, particularly for women. So you guys, I really hope you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed making it. Kelly is fantastic. And like I said, this episode's great. So please enjoy and yeah, check it out. Welcome to the I Am Fearless podcast. I'm your host, Vicki, and man, am I glad that you decided to click and spend a little time with me today. Today's guest is Kelly Kunz. She is a certified financial planner. Welcome, Kelly. Thank you for having me. I love the title of your podcast. How fabulous is that? I'm so excited to be here today. Oh my gosh, I'm so honored to have you. You guys, Kelly is super experienced in all things financial literacy, and I, we are just I'm just really thrilled to have you here because I think it's so important for women to gain more knowledge around financial literacy and what all that involves because honestly, like, I mean, it's something that I've struggled with for a very long time. Yeah, and it's challenging. Um, Is this a good place for me to make my quick little disclaimer so we can kind of have our great discussion? Absolutely, hey, you guys. So if, if you haven't noticed, all the CEOs, they have disclaimers. You want to be a CEO? You have to have a disclaimer. Apparently, it's part of the club, right? Uh, so my disclaimer, the, the interpretations and organization of these ideas are the confidential thoughts of Kelly Kunst and do not represent the opinions of Berthel Fisher & Company Financial and Services, Inc., registered representative of, of and securities offered through Berthel Fisher & Company Financial Services, Inc., BFCFS, member of FINRA and SIPC, Investment Advisory Services offered through BFC Planning Inc., GS Wealth Management, BFCFS, and BFC Planning Inc. are independent entities. So now we can get right down to it. Now we are all good. No, I, I agree on the financial literacy because I think for on so many levels, um, you know, money is an incredible lever that really kind of moves the wheel of your life, if you will. It, it's such an important tool in how you have choices in your life. So I love that. Thank you for the opportunity to chat today. Absolutely, my pleasure. So Kelly, let's just get right into it. What are some of your best practices for investing that you would advise any client or somebody like me? I think one of the top ones is kind of a mind shift type of thing. Um, And and some advisors talk about it like pay yourself first. Um, I'd like people to think of, you know, you're building your financial house. Just like you 
buy a house and you pay off the mortgage, you know, monthly, and it's a multi-year, multi-decade process to home ownership, it's the same thing in building your financial house. And I think if we help people think about it in those terms and kind of mind shift, it sets them up for success. And let me tell you um, what types of things that we see. Like we far too often have people that kind of have financial junk drawers, if you will. Like they have all of these pieces but there's not really a blueprint that's driving how they're building their financial house, right? Um, so just like you would never build a house without a blueprint, don't build your financial house without a blueprint either. We're gonna talk a little bit about what does that actually mean in a few minutes, but um, so often it's about that monthly discipline, just like paying your mortgage payment, and um, we actually follow a proprietary process. We developed it. It's called SCORE. We feel like it's a kind of an accessible way for people to think about their money. Um, and we'll talk about it at the end, but there's some um, tools that they can get from our website from that as well. My question was, was that I wanted you to tell me more about SCORE because it's an acronym and, and you've kind of told me about yes. it, but I'd love for you to share it with my audience. So I think one of the things that we hear a lot, right, is when, men, women, it doesn't really matter. When they end up with a financial advisor, and by the way, I'm a certified financial planner, like you said in the opening, I'm, uh, I took national boards for that certification. Um, but the, the score process just kind of was an easy way to explain it to people. So S is your story. Uh, we tend to invest a lot of time understanding who the person is that we're talking to, that we're trying to plan around. So it's really all of those individual circumstances about your particular life that should drive how we think about the money. Um, so our end of the game in getting that is we wanna understand like, do you have kids? Is, are you a sandwich generation? Do you own a business? Are you an employee? Like, what is it about your life that defines how we need to think about what we're gonna do next? Um, and, and then really our end game is we like to talk with our clients about when do you want work to be a choice, not a have to. Um, the second piece of that is cash and cash flow. And that's the, we feel this is the most important step. And it's a, a step that advisors sometimes don't focus on and clients don't actually know, right? And so it's really incredibly important to understand how the cash flow is working through your house. It relates directly to your story. Um, there's nothing more stressful than you have kind of an interruption in your life and then the cash is not ready to support you in that way, right? So it's, it's really the two actually go together. Once we understand how your story affects your cash flow, the next thing we look at is the opportunities for how we're gonna invest. We also spend a lot of time thinking about real return. And I'm gonna pivot for just a second and focus on this because it's a real topic for women in particular, real return. Because I think that there's a kind of a mindset about what does risk mean? Like, I'm very concerned about like things that happen in the market that might affect the value of whatever my investments are. 
but we don't think about risk in terms of purchasing power. And that's such a critical aspect for women in particular. And let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. So my wonderful paternal grandmother, uh, we lost her in 2020 at the age of 100. What's significant about her story is she had metastasized breast cancer at 80 and went on to have a radical mastectomy. She made some decisions about like putting some limitations on how much treatment she was going to pursue. We all supported that. Um, but, but she lived for another 20 years, right? She had breast cancer at 80, she lived another 20 years, and we've got to remember that the cost of everything is increasing over that time frame. And I think we've seen that a lot with the inflation that's kind of hit the economy. We've got to be thinking about not only the risks of what market fluctuations would look like, but we've got to make sure that we're thinking about how we're going to maintain our buying power as we get older. And the last one, the Eve in score stands for easy money. There are just a boatload of easy money mistakes that you can make. There's actually more content on our website about that. We wrote a whole series last year about that. Um, that that's like a whole nother, that could be a whole nother set of podcasts, but that is what the SCORE model really kind of guides how we work with clients. Amazing. Um, one thing that you said that stuck out to me there was work being a choice. And, and I think that when we think about money and what money can do, we all want it to create a path to financial freedom, right? Absolutely. So that's the goal. How do we get there? <laughs> How do we do it, Kelly? <laughs> and that's really what we focus on. Like uh, a lot of our clients aren't necessarily thinking about retirement, but they're thinking about options and choices. It kind of goes back to the money is a really effective lever, right? You really want to use it as a lever to move your life. I think that path to financial freedom, we talked a little bit a minute ago about that building the house scenario. So let me give you some, a little bit more specific examples that'll kind of help fill in some of the gaps, hopefully. So for example, you wanna be consistent. So if you think about saving for the time when work becomes a choice and not a have to, um, if you save $300 a month, like you never increase for raises or anything like that, if you save $300 a month for 30 years and we're assuming an 8% return, which is roughly about what the average return is of the S&P, it fluctuates, um, but you would accumulate about $450,000 in that time frame. So $300 a month, 30 years, 8% of uh, return on average, you'd accumulate $450,000, your total contributions would be 108. Now I wanna to talk to you about the value of compounding. Let's say that you instead chose to save $400 a month and you got another 10 years in there. You started early at 25, right? So you saved $400 a month for 40 years, assuming that same 8% return, any idea what that number would be? It would be $1.4 million. That's a jump. I mean, and we're talking about $100 a month more and a decade more. That is the power of compounding. In the first scenario, at $300 a month, 
30 years, you end up with $450,000, you've put about $100,000 into that scenario. If you jump to $400 a month for 40 years, because you were smart and you started earlier, you'd only have put in, you've put in less than $200,000 over that time frame, but you have $1.4 million. And let's just go a step further. Let's say that you didn't start saving until your 40s. You'd need to now save $1,400 a month versus $400 to get to that million mark. And this is where things get a little tricky is when you're in your 40s and you know perhaps you have kids and you're paying, you're trying to fund college or other things that are happening. Um, it's time is just your most valuable component. If there's one lesson that I'd love to see us pass on to our daughters and the women in our life is start early. It, it's just, you, you're just going to be in such a great spot. You are speaking to the choir because here I am. <laughs> here I am. Um, nearly 40. I have a college, I have a, a, a child in college. I have a new baby. He's 20 months. Um, Congratulations. Oh, thank you. He's, he's wearing me out. <laughs> but you know, it's like I have all of these things. And so when you save $1,400 a month, I'm thinking, you know what? I probably could do it. I probably could find a way. But then it comes the element of discipline, right? And that delayed gratification that needs to be there. And I think that sometimes, you know, old habits die hard, I guess, because when you get used to spending a certain way, it, it gets hard for you to kind of flip that switch. But I love how you just explained it because it makes it seem so, I mean, you just made it seem so simple. Yeah. Well, and I think people's perception is like getting a million dollars, someone's got to leave it to you. And there's great books that talk about this, but the vast majority of millionaires did it themselves. Like they didn't inherit it. They just saved consistently. So this is a question that I have um, because it's something that, you know, I'm, I'm always telling on myself in my interviews, by the way. <laughs> but <laughs> It's why people love you. It's why they love to listen to what you have to say because you're just such a generous person. Oh, thank you. I just, you know, because I, I feel like that if I'm not the only one that may have these questions, you know, and I'm not ashamed to share uh, honestly, my level of ignorance when it comes to certain topics because I'm interested in learning more. I want to grow. I want to advance. And so, you know, I don't have any shame of putting myself out there and asking the, what may appear to be silly questions, you know. But um, why do you think it is that women are sometimes uncomfortable talking about money or that they don't really take that, I don't know, that position of leadership when it comes to money and finance? That's a great question. I, and I think, I think there's a number of things that affect it. I, I think, number one, um, we just don't talk about money enough in our families. Um, it does tend to be a highly emotional topic. It carries a lot of emotional weight with it. Um, and, and even on our family, right? Like I, um, I did not know, for example, my grandmother's financial situation until after she was gone. And the funny thing about all that, right? She was a depression baby and she really set herself up well. Uh, and, and just because she was conservative, consistent, 
Um, but we didn't talk about any of that stuff. And, and I'm a CFP, like, and my family knows this. So I know it's just one of those things about how we're raised. Um, it's, it's just one of those of aspects of, I think, families in general. Um, I think the other thing about it is financial services has not always done a great job of being great communicators. Our industry carries a lot of acronyms and terms that we may not necessarily use, and I think sometimes it feels uncomfortable to ask that question as a woman and say, I don't understand that. Could you explain that to me? And just maybe as an impetus to give your listeners some confidence of don't ever be afraid to ask that question. I actually managed money for a lot of people in financial services. In fact, I managed money for a fellow uh, financial advisor. And there were times when we were communicating, she, you know, if I would fall into that acronym thinking she understood what I meant, she didn't like it either. And she would ask and, and go back. So I think always be open to asking that question when you're talking with someone in that space. Better yet, interview a bunch of different financial advisors. Find one that you can really communicate with. It's a little bit like finding a great doctor. You need to find one that you can really tell that person what's going on because a financial advisor can only help you as far as what you've told them, right? We were talking about in S, in, in the SCORE model, you know, S, your story. When I know your story, I can so much better help you plan for things and maybe even help you avoid some of the things you haven't thought about or ask good questions so that I'm a great partner. And that's true of any financial advisor. You just want to make sure you have a really open line of communication. That's when we can really help the most. And, and telling the story, right, I would imagine like a lot of women, a part of their story is children, babies, yep. multiple babies. Um, and for that reason, I think that when a woman is single and she has a baby, and it can definitely impact her financially way harder than if she had Absolutely. a partner, right? Um, so let's talk about the financial impact of having a baby. What like, I'm interested in knowing uh, your perspective or learning your perspective on that. So there's a term in our industry called the sandwich generation. And, and I think it's caregiving on both fronts. It's children and it's parents today, right? And that's one of the challenges for women in particular is we tend to get squeezed on both ends. It happens when babies come and enter the family, which is fabulous, but then it also happens when we might have to do some things to take care of our parents. And um, there was a great article in caregiver.org in February of 2015, and they said the total financial impact of caregiving for women on lost wages and social security benefits is about $325,000. And that's just the social security benefits. It doesn't get into things like 401k, retirement savings, other aspects of what happens when we've got to make some decisions about how we're going to handle caregiving for children and then potentially caregiving for parents. And we're in that space where we're caregiving for parents on some levels. It's challenging. There's a lot to do. 
I'm I'm tired just from listening. <laughs> well, that's because you have a 20 month old too. Like that that'll do it. Although you know, I want some pictures at some point because I bet you know adorableness is kind of on the radar at that he's point. He's pretty charming. He's I pretty bet. charming. He's a cutie pie. He's he's pretty special. Awesome. <laughs> well, um, now I had a friend who she really wanted me to ask you this question. So this question okay. is for my friend. She said, uh, will you please ask her, what's the best advice for how women can maximize their earning potential by use of 401ks and IRAs? So the first thing I'm gonna say is if you have a 401k and you're not contributing to it, to it you are leaving part of your compensation with the company they have those numbers built into their budget it's part of your compensation packet you're leaving money on the table and i think that's one of the things that i we always both my husband and i always did in every position there's usually some sort of match component right for most people it's like a three percent match if you put in six they put in three you're now at nine percent that's all budgeted and if you don't take that 3%, you're leaving your money inside the company. So I think it's really, really important to make sure you're making those contributions. Um, and right now, about according to the Social Security Administration and the US Census Bureau, more than 50% of Americans have never attempted to figure out how much they need to save. Like they don't know. And 20% of Social Security recipients are living solely on Social Security. And I would bet that is predominantly women that are in that place. So we talked a little bit about, you know, that consistency, thinking about it, almost like your mortgage payment. I think there's other things to plan for in advance, right? Um, if you do decide to step away from work at some point in time to take care of them, you can always make non-working spousal uh, IRA contributions. There are some limits around that, so you always want to ask your financial advisor or your CPA about it. Um, but And definitely plan. Think ahead. If you're going to have to step away to take care of children, you definitely want to make that 401k contribution. This is kind of my last plug because it's something I really want people to think about. The gift that you are going to give your children by doing that and being financially independent is going to be a really beautiful thing. So it's not just for you, it's for them. Like as you're building your family, think about that legacy not only being a gift to yourself, but it's a gift to your children. Absolutely. No, that's great. Well, thank you so much, Kelly. Um, and then also, too, um, just to go back to the SCORE, um, um, you guys' acronym for SCORE, can you tell me, because we had talked about maybe a digital product um, that you could offer the uh, my audience, and can you tell me where to find it and what it is, and tell us about it, please. Absolutely. So our website is fiscalharmony.com. Uh, there are attachments at the website for things like the score paper so you can read a little bit about it. There's actually some case studies under each of those letters so it, it'll fill in maybe some gaps if there are any. There's other resources at that website too. There's a sheet called My Family Incorporated. It's tax time. 
Uh, it's just a simple, quick list of things that while you're getting things ready for your CPA, you might want to make an extra copy of and keep for yourself. And then there's um, also like a budget tracking sheet there, super simple. Um, but there's a lot of resources, there's articles there, content. Um, and so I think it's, it's a place where you could go and kind of nose around. And I believe you can also contact us through that website if you have any further questions. Amazing. Well, you guys, thank you so much, Kelly. This was great. Well, thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, no, you're you're awesome. I really appreciate it. I and I really, I'm really grateful for um, your ability to put numbers to those situations because then I think that it makes it more impactful because we just we don't really think about um, those types of things. You know, it's just oh, it's just something that we have to do, like it's time spent, you know, with our children, but. When you put numbers to it and, and that financial pressure that you were talking or that impact of having a baby and that sandwich effect, that really, that clicked something in my head to where I'm like, I, I really want to uh, be more prepared. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. It's great. So thank my you. My absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it so much. Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. Well